Hello, everyone. A very quick one from me. It would be a massive help to us with our ambition to help as many recruiters as possible achieve their goals and also inspire the next generation to choose recruitment as a career if you hit that follow and subscribe button. If you're someone that prefers to learn in a visual way, we've also recently invested a lot in our video podcast experience. So in the show notes, you'll always be able to find the link to watch the video on our YouTube channel and make sure that you hit subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. Thank you so much for supporting the show and enjoy this week's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Recruitment Mentors Podcast. I'm your host, Hisham Aziz, and on this week's episode, I was joined by Harry Porch, who is the solo founder of HM Staffing. After 18 months working for another business, Harry decided to go out on his own. Some may say that's naive. I think he'll be the first to say that he owned that and was naive at the beginning of his journey but they've now been in business for four years and he really shared with us in this episode the highs and lows of going out on your own with, let's be honest, not a ton of experience behind you. He shared with us the challenges that he faced being a 20-year-old solo founder of a recruitment business and the tons of challenges that have come along the way from hiring, from growing, but also plenty of the things that they've learned, how they've done things differently They've really invested a lot into marketing and really going against the norm of what a typical recruitment business should be doing. I'm really excited to see this business as a far evolve, but look, that's enough from me. Enjoy this week's episode. Harry, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, mate. Thanks for making the trip. No, it was all right. It wasn't too bad. No cancellations, nothing. Just came straight through. From Reading? Yep. Which um, you've you've built a local Reading recruitment business, which I find really interesting, mm. which I know we're going to go into. But thanks for making the trip. I always like to start with the million pound question, and I'm sure it's something that you've thought more and more about since having your own recruitment business. But I guess just to help people listening to sort of understand where you're at in your journey, feel free to, I guess, fill in any of the blanks. Yeah, of course. But what I just found super interesting about your journey is you're someone that... Yeah, worked in recruitment for less than two years, so 18 months, then started your own recruitment business, and you've been on that journey now for the last four years. So today there's nine of you in the business, um, have an office in Reading, satellite office in Manchester. You've just recently launched your first academy where you've hired a couple of people at the same time, and you're taking them through a whole journey. And I think in this conversation, I'm really keen to talk about the highs, the lows, the challenges, and everything that you've learned along the way the in these stuff. last four years. But if we could start with... Yeah, like when I say to you, what what are the characteristics and traits that you believe make up a a highly successful recruiter in today's market? What comes up for you on that? There's so many different things. There's one that always stands out for me, and it's just having guts. So not even just with guts, like picking up the phone, but having those like really difficult questions with candidates, clients, picking up the phone is one thing, especially when you first start, right? I think everyone's a bit scared to, to pick the phone up, especially when it's clients. But the other thing as well is not to take things personally. I used to do that at the start. Like if someone said no, I thought they were saying like no to me personally. And it would be, I'd get so caught up on it and I'd be, be thinking in the back of my head for so long. Mm. And then I had to separate that. Okay, it's not actually saying no to me personally. It's, you know, it's saying no to recruitment agencies. It's saying no to the company. Because it, it would proper bug me. It would bug me for so long. Yeah, because a client didn't want to work with us and everything like that. But they're two things that I think you, you have to sort of get from the start. Having the guts is, is massive as well, right? 
On the taking it personal thing, mm. I'm sure you've had to help people with that now. Yeah. Let me just ask you something on that, because I think a lot of people listening, I definitely struggled with that early on. Yeah. Because you're dealing with people as well as your product. Mm. There's a lot more emotions. So, like, I know you just said there you had to separate them, but, like, what if I'm listening right now and I am taking things personally and I find myself thinking about that client rejecting me three weeks after it's happened? Yeah. What, what's your advice to those people to get better at, yeah, moving away from that or not taking the emotions out of it? It's a difficult one, isn't it? Because it, it one day it just happens, and it's one of those things. I just have to remind my team all the time, and they're not saying no to... Let's say if it was Jack, they're not saying no to Jack Benham, they're saying no to Jack Benham from HM Staffing. It's two different people right now when you come into work. You're someone, when you leave work, you're that person. That person's not going to... Say if you were face-to-face right, and you were asking that question, the likelihood of the response they gave you on the phone in person is not going to be the same. Mm. Like some people are quite rude on the phone, for example, can't they? Mm. Um, which are interesting, <laughs> interesting people. But um, yeah, it's, it's hard to actually do it. I think it's just a constant reminder... I had to keep telling myself, keep telling myself, keep telling myself that it's not personal, it's not personal, it's not personal until it actually stuck. I don't think it's something you can teach yourself how to feel. Mm, okay, interesting. So having guts, I think mm. that um, that's interesting that you've said that because I feel like looking at your journey, you've, you've probably had to have quite a bit of that. Yeah, and naivety. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. So you worked in recruitment for 18 months yeah. and then you decided to start your own recruitment business mm. at 20 years old. And then you've obviously been on that journey now for the last four years. So, so when when did you start the business? That would have been twenty eighteen. Yeah, so in December time. December so, twenty eighteen. Yeah, back end of December. So I was completely done with the last agency I was at. Yeah. And I just thought, you know what? Why not? I didn't want to go work for someone else. I mean, mm. I, was, I was saying to you, I'd been on a night out with a mate in Bristol. And I woke up and I had like four calls from internal recruiters in Reading. I was like, oh, how'd you get my number? Mm. And everything like that. Like, it wasn't anywhere. And then. Yeah, I think it was that moment I was like, I don't want to work for another company like this. Mm. I don't like how a lot of things are done with recruitment agencies. So I was like, mm. right, I'm just going to do it myself, which was, um, I was naive at the time, but it's, I think it's paid off. Quite so well. let's just break this down then. So first year, yep. so, tw- so whole of 2019 basically mm. was your first year, yep. pretty much. What was the mindset? Was it like, and what, what were your circumstances? Were you living at home with the parents? Yeah, like, yeah. so living at home. So yeah. I didn't have any bills in that sense. I owned my car and everything like that. Um, so I didn't have any like major outgoings. I just thought, oh, what have I got to lose with this? I knew that there'd be certain clients that'd want to work with me. Um, and what I was thinking was, right, let's say if I can bring two clients on and do 40K in the first year, that's more than the salary that I would be getting elsewhere, plus probably enough to cover my costs. And then we got, yeah, we had a few clients that came on board straight away that I was like, right, what are we going to get this first year from you guys? And we worked out that, okay, we're actually going to do quite well. So we then hired people in, got an office. It was my dining room table from December to March. Then I went to this office that was probably like the size from like me and you sat away. It was horrible. <laughs> we, like, we lived in it, had no windows, nothing like that. It was um, it was a proper box. But yeah, it was it was interesting. So dining room table for yeah. the first couple of months, just I guess like like you said, what, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. Try and do some deals. Did some deals. Mm. How long did it take you to do your first deal? Do you remember? Six weeks. Six weeks. Yeah. And that's from actually setting up. Actually, was it six? Yeah, six weeks till the invoice got sent out. Mm. Right. So... I was like, right, what am I going to do? Like, it came on in December, and I was like, it's over Christmas, everything like that. And they were like, oh, we'll, we'll look at it in January. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. I was like, Excel spreadsheet was up. Mm. I was thinking, which job board's going to be the cheapest for me to find someone? So I had a trial with, I think it might have been CV library. And that's how I got the first one in. So I didn't really have to pay for anything. I was just using mm. like my own laptop, my personal phone, and everything mm. like that. So yeah, it's six weeks until the invoice went out and they started. And then that was when it really hit. I was like, right, okay, we could actually build something here. And mm. they gave us another three jobs. 
Really? So straight away I was like, right, okay, hang on, we've got some momentum here. Mm. And then it just carried on from there. And then you made your first hire in April? Yes. So April, hired one of my best mates. Your best mates. Yeah, and then yeah. was it just you two for the rest of the year? It was us two for three months and we hired two people. Yeah. Which, yeah, some of the highest didn't work out. Um, yeah. I think I was at the start looking at, all right, would I get along with you? That's it. Mm. I wasn't looking at anything else. Mm. Like, could I go have a beer with you? Could I chill with you and everything like that? Which is definitely not the right mindset for hiring. And I should have known that because we hire for everyone else, right? But when it's actually hiring for yourself, it's a bit different. So yeah, we made made some wrong hires and everything like that. Yeah, you'd be surprised how common that is. Uh, everyone does it. But so just just so we understand, so at the end of the first year, did it end up still still being just you and your mate despite no, you hiring was, people? I think there's four of us by the end of the first year. Yeah, okay. Let's just talk about this first year then for a sec because... Mm. I think a lot of people, like you just said there, you went out in Bristol or let's say you went out down the pub in, in Reading and meet a bunch of recruiters. Yeah. I think a typical sentence you'll hear is, oh, one day I'm going to do it on my own or uh, I know I could do this on my own, these types yeah, of things. Definitely. But a lot of people don't have the guts to, mm. to take that I first step. I in Turkey as well. I was in Turkey and I was just, I was with my mate at the time and uh, there was two recruiters and they were both talking about it and I just jumped in the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I'm getting involved in this chat. But yeah, no, you hear it everywhere. Yeah, so like... What in that first year? I know you said there's plenty of obviously you being naive. Mm. What have you got to lose? But what was I guess most challenging that first year that you least expected? I think it was like personal battles. I think there's a bit of an ego that probably came with it because it started doing well. So I had the clients in, and I probably thought that I was the man to a certain degree. But age came into it a lot. Right, a lot of we go meet clients and stuff like that, and they'd look at me and they'd be like, "You're a kid." Oh yeah, that's so much. And I was just there like, "Yeah, but okay, let's say if you go and dealt with a consultant out." one of the bigger agencies, the likelihood is they're going to be similar age to me, right? So we had that quite a lot, and that was something that was used against us. And now we switched it around. Now we use it in more of a positive way. But that was something that we had quite a lot, and it was a big challenge to sort of overcome that. Uh, managing people that are older than me, that was a real big challenge. Just more of a learning curve for me. I probably did it wrong as well. Like looking back, there's probably certain things that I should have done a bit better. But I'd say they were the big, big challenges in that first year. So quite a lot anchored to your age then. Yeah, oh, it always is. Always was at the start. At the start, but then I had a chip on my shoulder about it as well. Do I you think, think you brought that on yourself? Did you almost potentially go into situations thinking, oh, like, are they going to think like I'm just too young? To yeah, be oh, 100%. I used, to, I used to see it as a negative. So then I, then I felt like everyone else saw it as mm. a negative. So then as soon as I overcame that and I was like, you know what, I can actually make this like a really positive thing. And that works so well for us when mm. we talk about it. But yeah, back then, it was because I saw it in a negative way. It means that everyone else did. That's so interesting. When you say you've now turned it into positive. Yeah. So the, ne the negative perception of Harry's too young to be doing the, to be running his own recruitment business or like them potentially thinking that I'm too young mm. was what you, you haven't got enough experience. Like yeah. that, that's what you, that was the, like the story you were telling yourself. Yeah. But then what was the story you started telling yourself as to make it more of a positive? Well, at that point, age, I got older, first of all. We had more years <laughs> years of experience. So yeah. it didn't look like something that was in the first year. We could say, okay, well, he, he set up when he was 20, you know, we're nearly four years old now. We've gone and done this. Mm. Um, and I think the little achievements along the way kind of helped me frame it in a different position. Like I was winning awards or we spoke up for LinkedIn. And then when we throw those things into the story, then it turns it to be really impressive, not just some mm. kid that's trying to, try to do it his what, first year. What I take from that is you've over time obviously you've gathered more and more evidence as to why you yeah you can why well, you're credible yeah yeah what would you say to harry then if you're starting again like 
because clearly you've gone on to continue to build credibility, yeah. back yourself, more confidence, but like, what would you go back and say to Harry who had that real chip on his shoulder and, and viewed his age as a negative thing going into that first year? I'd say, one thing, don't take things too personally. I, I have to say it to everyone now, but um, just to shut up a bit as well. But like I just would talk way too much, but like tell everyone what we were always up to and everything like that, which probably didn't help. Mm. In fact, everyone's like, oh, he's just, he's just a kid. He just like talks way too much and everything like that. Like we, we spoke about like ego side of things on the mm. call before. I said, I think that does come in. I think when you put yourself in a position where people are looking up to you in a business world, where they're looking to you for like management or jobs and stuff like that, then that does inflate massively. Um, so I'd say just watch that and don't take things too personally. Mm. So you almost, you think maybe you overcompensated by... Yeah. Yeah, just speaking a lot and... Yeah, oh, 100%. It's like just learn just to be quiet sometimes. Um, like even in client meetings, you're just, I'm not like rambling on and someone's like, oh, tell us about yourself. You know, speaking for like five minutes. I'm thinking, what am I doing? Just just calm down a bit. Um, but yeah, okay. I put a lot of pressure on, I put a lot of pressure on myself to make sure that it succeeded because of other people mm. thinking that, oh, it wouldn't and stuff like that. So then at that point as well, like what about mentally outside of work? Or like, did you have any challenges there? Like was your family super supportive or were they thinking like, what is Harry... No, they, they, they were supportive. Like... They were. Uh, we were in the office from like six till eleven. I probably put on like thirty kilograms. As really? Well. Oh yeah, it was horrible. Like we were just having like delivery every day. It was like such an unhealthy life. I wouldn't go to the gym for ages just because I'm there. Like, no, I need to be at work. I need to be working constantly. I hardly saw my mates and everything like that. Um, so like, those relationships and such obviously took a bit of a bit of a turn and everything like that. Um, there was like, oh, he thinks he's too busy for us. It's like, no, I'm just really trying to focus on this and build something mm. for my future. So a lot outside of work, definitely that first year took a bit of a hit but I guess at that age as well I mean I'm 29 so when I was 20 the only thing that I found myself doing was I was selling products on Amazon yeah. but it wasn't like I was hiring people and stuff like that mm. but that can be difficult when you're that age and you have no one else that is on like a did you have no one else that was on obviously you hired your best mate but there's yeah. no one else on like a similar path not that I could see not not in that space anyway. There's a few people that I knew that had my my groups changed, you know, throughout the years, and now there's a lot more business owners in that friendship mm. group and, and everything like that. But at the start, no one else that I knew was doing anything mm. similar. So, so it, that's it felt hard. Lonely. Yeah, yeah, massive. And they almost felt like again you were too busy for them, which is the yeah. ego thing again. It's an it's an awkward conversation. So like when you do then go out and everyone's like, oh look, look, look who it is and stuff like that, and you're there like, really, we're doing this. <laughs> um, but yeah, it it was tricky at the time because. Right? I just wanted to be out with my mates. There were so many times I was thinking, like, should I just sack this off and, you know, go work with someone else and, and I can still actually enjoy my childhood, I guess you could call it mm. that still. Because that's what everyone says, like, the best years of life, you're 18, 19, 20, 21, mm. that kind of stuff. Like, you're out with your mates, you're making memories and stuff like that. And I was just sat in a box office for most of the time. But <laughs> Just putting on loads of weight, not yeah, seeing your mates. Yeah. Oh, the life, the life, <laughs> looking back at it. There's some photos we did um, recently, a company presentation, and there's... um. A few photos of me then. Everyone's like, who's that? And I'm like, really? That's me. I'll show you something after. <laughs> they're, they're gold. They are gold. But yeah, yeah. So you mentioned that. Why, why didn't you quit? Do you know what? At that point, it was probably thinking, like, no, I need to do this myself to prove other people wrong a little bit. Um, so I, like, I think in that first year, I was thinking, oh, I can make such a better salary. I can make so much better money. And I'm thinking, no, this is definitely a long, a long game. And then as the years went on, we built the right people around us and stuff like that. And I'm so happy that I did stick out. I think my brother was quite big in that actually. If I like said about anything like that, he'd just give me like a funny look and be like, what are you on about? Your brother, how how old's your brother? 25 now. So he was, he's 18 months older than me. 
Okay. So he'd always like be on my shoulder, like, what are you talking about? He'd be like, shut up, just get on with it, and stuff like that. And he's, he, he's quite brutal. He's still like that now. If I'm worried about anything, he just tells me to shut up, really. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, so he um, he was quite big in that as well. So I, thinking, I don't want to let down the people that supported me as well and mm. showed a lot of love for that early stages. Um, so that did keep me going a lot of time in the, in the dark days and stuff like that. When like, you sat in your car thinking, like, what am I doing? Is it worth it? And everything like that. They, um, those people really kept it. And then the final thing then, a lot of people underestimate, like, I know you said at the beginning, like, oh, you literally had your laptop, Excel spreadsheet. Mm. You literally had the trial on CV library and you found someone that you placed. But, like, operationally, the, the business stuff that oftentimes I speak to people and they underestimate how much time that takes or, like, yeah, what's involved in terms of, like, the finance side of things and like this, the operations, was any of that difficult like in the first year? Because obviously before, all you had to worry about was you just looking at your pay packet and if you got paid the correct commission or not. Like you didn't have to worry about all the other stuff, right? Yeah. Was that a challenge in that first year, adjusting to that? This podcast is proudly partnered with the award-winning Sourcebreaker. Now, I think it's safe to say that right now the market is crazy. Continue to hear people saying, never seen the market like it. And I continue to speak to recruiters who are inundated with jobs, which is why I'm not surprised that the number one word that I'm always hearing at the moment is automation. And if you're looking at how you can enable your teams to spend more time on what they're brilliant at, building relationships, speaking to people, then you need to look at Sourcebreaker. It's helped countless recruitment companies scale more quickly, enable their younger recruits and their rookies to get better more quickly and automate a whole lot of the, the work that a lot of recruiters are probably not so good at and the work that, that maybe they don't enjoy as much. Because you listen to this podcast, you're going to be able to get an exclusive discount on the Sourcebreaker product. So if you have not already, Get a demo booked in with Sourcebreaker. Use the link in the show notes. You will not regret it. If you're thinking about that word automation in 2022, you need to consider Sourcebreaker. It was. I don't feel like I did it very well. I was quite lucky with one of them because my dad's an accountant. Your dad's an accountant? Yeah. So I was quite lucky with with that one because he managed to help me out with sort of the finances as in like looking at them and looking after them. And Mm. so he supported me with that part of it. But the rest of it, I was shocking. Like, like, like processes and stuff like that I just wouldn't document anything mm. and like looking back now I'm thinking oh if I'd have actually done that right at the start then I wouldn't have to be doing it now and, and so many different things with it but yeah that was um, it was a nightmare so it was the main thing like pro- when you say processes like what, what do you mean even stuff like now I wish I documented it would be stuff like okay, how you find a candidate and stuff like that and actually just document it especially at the start when I had a lot more time he said now I'm trying to document it mm. over, the last, over the last three years been doing it and stuff or like having a system from the start obviously I'd get a system we use Vincherry now mm. but I'd get that early as I could, as soon as I had the budget for it. I didn't really do it for six months. Mm. What, so, you just use an Excel spreadsheet? Yeah, and just download to my laptop, and I just like would remember it in a <laughs> notebook and stuff like that. And it, but yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't too challenging, but I'd get stuff like that straight away, you know, just start documenting everything from the start, because at that point, is you're never going to have to go back and redo it mm. and everything like that, or be worried about what could happen if, you know, having a CV in your laptop and GDPR and, mm. and all of that. No, no, I just respect that because I think what you just lent into was just taking action and then yeah. like working out as you go. I think a lot of people think they have to have all that sorted out before they can even take no. steps forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I, I don't have my phone as well. Just like it literally just my phone, laptop, Excel spreadsheet. And I say Excel spreadsheet, I probably used it like five times. Right, <laughs> like, I, I did not keep track on Excel. I had it there, and it was it was supposed to be used, and I used it a bit. And it would be more like okay, so I had an interview, I'd have it all in there. But I'd have my calendar would just be full of just like everything, interviews, calls of everyone. Mm. I'll be religious with that. I've still got my notebook for my first year. Really? Yeah, my handwriting is terrible. I'm getting slated on it on LinkedIn at the moment because <laughs> everyone keeps posting our um, non-negotiables. Mm. And I was like, who's written that? And everything like that. And it's like, oh, it's me. Yeah, it's terrible. What I really find interesting about your business is like how you've really focused on it being localised. Yeah. Because I'll, I'll be honest with you, most people that I sit down with and speak with would say like in today's market, you mm. it's really important that you have a niche and a focus. Yeah. And I know you have a few different sectors that you um, focus on. But it, I don't know, from what you shared, I mean, and feel free to add context or whatever, it, it also felt quite general. But like what you focused on, is it, is it being really local in terms of mainly around the Reading area? Yeah. So talk to me a bit about how this sort of approach to your business has, has um, evolved. Because like, obviously if I went on your website, there's a number of different sectors on there. Like how, how have you approached that? And I don't know, how has the sort of focusing in your local area played out? Mm. So that's a lot of our stuff's Berkshire like 90% of it. The other 10%, you know, we, we do go into London and stuff like that. Um, it's normally when we get brought into London, it's never normally that like we'd like aim and target companies in London. But it slowly has sort of progressed. We've got a few in Manchester and, and everything like that, where the satellite offices and, and stuff like that. But that, it was kind of what I was used to doing, the office support, sales, marketing, HR, those key areas there. But also a lot of the clients that we get in with that might have a marketing manager role for us, the likelihood of them having a sales team and an admin person and an mm. admin department or HR and, and everything like that is so high that normally we'd get in with a company and the repeat business in there is so much that it's a lot easier for us to do that than focusing on a hundred different marketing manager roles and only working that. So that's how we split it between desks. So it'll get to a point soon where we've got two people per desk. So how, how do you split it? Sorry, what, what do you mean? So it depends on the person and who I think they'd be best speaking to because the candidates for all those different roles are so different so it's normally split between sales marketing hr um office support and then in the sales and marketing but it's a bit bigger because then they split in between mm. them with sales and so you marketing. have people that just do sales and marketing hr yeah but then it's not like sector specific it's just more like local yeah. box in the boxer area exactly that um because a lot of the people that are good for let's say like a telecoms admin role are also good for a retail admin role or a sales admin role at a manufacturing company. A lot of them, it's a similar background and they're all looking for the same thing. So us mm. being really targeted to, let's say, only cyber, okay, well, the people we're placing there would also be good for a different industry. So for us, it didn't seem much point having that really specific. Don't get me wrong, there's a few of the guys that they really focus on certain industries and, and stuff like that, just because they've got good candidates in those areas. But it's such a mix, which makes people, a lot of the time when they actually come into work, enjoy it a bit more as well because they're not constantly just speaking to the same people non-stop mm. same industries they do get to work with a mix of clients which i know they enjoy because i think one of the obviously one of the things that i think you guys have done really well and i think if people almost know you for is your brand yeah and i think when we were speaking about this i think what i found really interesting was how much of a positive impact it's had on just you being a local business hiring local people recruiting for the local area mm. like you was telling me how like yeah you can, like if you think about it the the people that you hire that might be a bit younger than you or whatever like they will know people that are working in the local area and it just yeah. all just keeps growing mm. and i just found that really interesting but i guess talk to, talk to us a bit about like why have you really tried to go against the status quo i think that's how people would i don't know i was looking at your post today 
and like I feel like that's almost a perception that you've built like you're going against like the grain or like yeah. how to typically do it where's that come from I'm not sure where it's come from well, I know where the videos have come from and that kind of content has because um a friend of mine he owns a company that that's what they specialize in for massive massive brands and I thought could we make this about recruitment work so we started doing that and then I've given the team just like flexibility to their LinkedIn you know build your own personal brand, make people laugh on it and people remember you. Um, so I went to a meeting with the council doing some advisory work for them and there was someone there just recognised us from my LinkedIn content straight away and they were just laughing about it and stuff like that and they were like, oh, well, do you want to have a chat about recruitment as well? So all these good conversations have been coming from it. But yeah, we get the flexibility for them to kind of do what they want within reason. Um, <laughs> there's a few posts that I get sent they're like, oh, what do you think about this? It's a bit risky and I'm there like... Yeah, no, let's just let's just leave that one out. Um, so yeah, some of them, and I'm thinking, where? Why did you think that that would be a good idea? But mm. some of them do really well. Like the ferret one, Jack did the other week. I think they've done like two million views now. Mm. Um, and I know for a fact that he wouldn't get that exposure doing like a recruitment post. Mm. Something just about recruitment. Oh yeah, recruitment. I'm finding this in a trend and that and that. And um, I think right. Or well, which is a way to get out there? You know, we haven't got this big marketing budget that a lot of companies have. So let's have some fun with it. And it's done. It's done really well for us, to be fair. And it's made that brand really strong that when we internally recruit, we've never struggled with really? applicants. We get loads come in. So it's impact internally? Yeah. What about, obviously that was one of my other questions, like how, because I think I saw, I think I, I wrote it down here, like one of the posts that you did was around, I don't know if it was you or one of your colleagues, but like I think it, it said, like I still find it funny how many people say your post videos are cringe or embarrassing, but yeah, then like you, but then you actually get business yeah, yeah. from it. So you just mentioned there. I got wound up that day, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like obviously, you just mentioned there, it helps you hire internally. Yeah. That's a huge challenge for ninety nine percent of recruitment businesses. So it yeah. ha- it's helped on there. But how was it? How has it manifested investing in your brand and doing things a bit differently on like client acquisition or other parts of the business? Like how's that? That it normally helps. Normally helps. Um, I had someone the other week, they were a client and we didn't want to work with them anymore and they sent like this ridiculously long, abusive email. And it did say in it like, oh, obviously you don't care about your business because of the shit you post on YouTube. Oh, wow. And I was like, okay, fair enough. That's your opinion on it. But that is also that that MD of that company is probably in his 60s not understand what we're trying to do and who we're trying to get in with and, and everything like that. But most of them love it. Most of them absolutely love it. Like, we've had some massive, massive companies come on from it. Um, the ones that don't like it are really traditional businesses that are still stuck in the past, in my opinion, or recruitment agencies. A lot don't like it. I, yeah, I've heard quite a lot about it. When I go out, people say, oh, my director hates your content. I'm like, okay. Why, why, do you, why? why do you think that I is? think it's because it's different. It's what it normally is. And they might be seeing people engaging with it and they wish they could be getting the engagement on it. It could be anything, or I wish we had that idea. Because a few, a few people said to me, oh, I went to my director and said, oh, we should do a post of this. And he was like, no, we can't do that. Like, that's mm-hmm. ridiculous and, and stuff like that. It could just be a bit of that. It could be a bit of jealousy. It could be anything. Um, but I think where we're trying not to be stuck in an old way and actually be forward thinking and thinking, right, well, how can we get out there without spending you know, thousands and thousands? That studio that we record everything in is in our office. So it's literally next door, we're in a serviced office. So for us to film content, we literally go in there for half an hour on lunch, do it, and then come back in, they send it to us the next day. So when you say, just to be clear, like how does it actually happen? Does it like, do you or any of your team literally get messages like, hey Harry, we love your content, We've got a number of roles at the yeah. moment, like we're local, we'd love to speak to you. Like, what, what does it actually look like? Yeah, so we had that the other week with one of the, I'm not going to say the company. Yeah, of course. But yeah, yeah, well, it's probably on the you know, household name. I could say it off mm. camera and you'd be like, yeah, I know them straight away. And it happened again uh, recently. There's a bit lovely content, um, really want to work with you guys. We like what you're doing, we think you're finding quite funny or we like the brand you're trying to build. It's a bit different, it's refreshing, which is what we're trying to be. 
and we've had, I think, about five or six. I think we've done about field rolls from it, probably about 25, I'd say, in the last year, from actually just posting constantly about stuff. Mm. Um, that's inbound, which just means as well, it's just less outbound activity, which I think everyone would love that to happen. Yeah. Less outbound, more inbound, um, which where we want to get it to be. We want stuff coming in all the time. But yeah, we get reached out on LinkedIn about it. Uh, people call the office saying, I found this video funny. We've got a role in HR. Can you guys help us out with it? Um, but normally it then puts us in a position where when we say our fees, people aren't arguing it. Oh no, I don't want to pay that. I'll be paying 12.5% instead of 20% or 17.5%, for example. Most people, when we say our fees, they go, yeah, that's fine. So it's helped us put us in a position of authority, you could say, and people don't really argue that part. Mm. So we get better fees, better clients, and actually just all round better relationships. Mm. I think what you've definitely nailed is like the the comedic element as well. Like obviously, yeah. I, I really enjoyed that video that you guys put together on. Like obviously, reading the the tweets. Yeah, that was that, that, was, that was good. That yeah. Is, yeah is look that's that's a big part of. Um, why I started this because I, I actually do I guess because I'm in my little echo chamber like I, yeah. I'm speaking to people that want to be the best recruiter they can be want to deliver the best service want to change the perception of the industry but there's still so many people out there receiving poor experiences so yeah. like yeah if, if you haven't seen that video I'd definitely check it out it is hilarious in terms of reading the tweets and what people say about recruiters there's one person that they've tweeted or they've been involved in every single video we've done because they're so active about the hate for recruiters and, <laughs> and we're, we're doing a few more and he, he's in it again and then I'm going to reach out to him and see if he'll do a video of us <laughs> um, him, him and George yeah, Jeff versus George is what it's going to be called but um, yeah I feel like he's going to say no he's some big like some CEO in America um, but yeah I'm going to see if I can get him on the Zoom call I think it'd just be fun Anyone that's seen the content will then will be able to appreciate it. Mm. Yeah, we're doing a bit more about what people think about recruiters soon. Like, let's just fast forward a bit then. Obviously, you then had to go in COVID. That yeah. must have been a challenge. But I guess what I'd be interested to go into is like how obviously you started, like you said, a bit naive, had a bit of a chip on your shoulder, 20 years old, and you, you obviously wrestled with that. But like, how have you had to like evolve as a Harry has had to evolve as a business owner? Like, what are some of the things that you've really had to be like harsh with yourself on and get better at and improve on and, and spend time on? Like, how have you had to like grow up as a, as a business owner? This podcast is proudly partnered with Vincherry. Now, you should know by now that they are on the quest. And their vision and mission is to be and become the operating system for growing recruitment companies. Well, you may or may not have seen, but I'm here to tell you that they've recently added another fantastic piece of kit to their overall amazing system. It's called Vineo. You can probably guess what it is. A lot of you, and for the last two or so years, have probably accelerated your use of Vineo. So having a tool which is seamlessly in your uh, CRM, what you use every day to prospect candidates, prospect clients, to use video in, in your interview process, just going to make your life a whole lot easier. So just another amazing reason why you need to check out Vincherry if you're looking for an all-in-one platform, the operating system that you need as you scale your recruitment business, then you have to consider Vincherry. Use the link in the show notes. Because you're a Recruitment Mentors listener, you will get an exclusive discount and price. So use that link and you will not regret it. 
a lot, um, uh, which is it's just like just been a bit more mature about certain things as well. And I struggle to keep concentrated on, on anything. So I've got ADD, mm. dyslexic, and everything like that. So for me, it's like that's a bit like an ongoing battle. Like, I'll get distracted over anything, and it's, like, it's, it's not letting myself get distracted with other people and stuff like that. I'd be the easy one to distract in the office, and I should be the last one that should that should mm. be that person. Like someone could just say something, I'm there like, oh yeah, what's that? And then <laughs> yeah, so that, that that's been one thing. The management side of things has been a bit more having a bit more sympathy with people and understanding people. That's obviously it's always a bit of a, a bit of a challenge. So I'm like, just get on with your work. So like, what's what's wrong? And stuff that, and, and learning to understand people a bit better. But I say it's been part of like an interest in. Because because I saw that you've got like a coach or someone that you work yeah, with. Dave. When when did that start? That started just. We started speaking just before COVID. Um, okay. It was actually the week before. We've got a few mutuals and everything like that. And we always knew of each other. Everyone thinks he's fake, by the way, because his name is Dave Davies. So everyone's there like, oh, you just give me a fake name to get out of this conversation. I'm like, no, like that's legit his name. But yeah, I, we had a few like mutual connections and stuff like that. And we'd always speak on LinkedIn. And I met him out at Revs to Cuba. We were out in Reading just before COVID happened. We got speaking in there. And then we kept in touch throughout lockdown. We went to a lot of the same networking events. And um, it got to the end of it. And I was like, yeah, I, I definitely need your help to a certain degree with the sales training as well. I think there's only so much sales training you can do as a business leader, getting someone else in. And that's what they experiencing that an expert in that industry that area even is so vital i still get now loads of people sales coaches reach out to me i actually had one go through an ex-girlfriend of mine to try and get me as a client oh really yeah really weird it absolutely freaked me out like, and I'm like there must be like a referral fee in here somewhere and stuff like that but it happened the other week i'm just like what are you going on about so what do you, you do with but, this guy so dave we see dave every fortnight for half a day um sometimes once a month depends on how busy we are and the whole team all of us even me will go and have sales training with him and then i see him weekly every monday and we go through sort of what challenges you know he gives me a bit of management coaching for example or if i say right, i'm really stuck on this how would you and then he gives me like a different perspective or say something bugging me as well is, is a big thing if i say it to him he's like hey why is it bugging you and we break it down and by the end of it, I think, oh, what am I doing? Like, why, am I, why am I letting that bother me and, and stuff like that? But sometimes when you know that you have a decision you've got to make and you're putting yourself off it because it's such a hard decision to make and he's a good person that I can talk through with it and I come off the call and I'm like, okay, I know what I need to do. How, so how much does that help then? It's, it's so much. <laughs> so much. I don't think we'd be in a position where we are now if it wasn't for him. I've had some ideas that he thinks, he's like, oh, do you really think that's a good idea? And I'm like, yeah, I do. And he's like, why? And I'm like... I go through it and I'm like, that's such a stupid idea. <laughs> like, what am I doing? But yeah, it helps massively. And I think that the age thing comes into it. I think he, he's been in business for like 30 years. I'm not going to say any anymore because then he'll tell me off <laughs> saying he's old. But but yeah, having that person that I can turn to as like a mentor as well is is so, so important for me. And how, what would your advice be for someone listening to this that like would love to be engaged with someone like that? They're a solo founder, have yeah. challenges, like... It seemed it happened quite organically. Obviously, it was a night out and you connected, but I don't know if you like known how impactful that's been. Yeah. If you were to be like, right, I I need to like be really intentional about finding someone that can help me with that. How I don't know what would your advice be to people about how to go about finding someone like Dave. It's a difficult one, isn't it? Because most people say I'll find someone recruitment, an expert recruitment one, but Dave's general. So he doesn't just work with recruiters, he's worked with cybersecurity companies, data companies, he's worked with recruitment companies before, obviously. But I use him because, for me, he knows loads of industries. We work within loads of different industries, so it made sense. But don't post it on LinkedIn 
recommendations and you get every single person in the world commenting their uncle, brother, son and stuff like that. Um, whenever I see that, I'll always message him saying, like, I'll have a chat with Dave, he's mm. who we use. But I'd meet as many of them as you can and actually see the one that you connect with the most, that you get along with because you're going to want to spend time with them, which is going to help you in the long run. Um, the reason we picked Dave is because of how much of a laugh he is and how I know how good he is. Um, if I didn't have such a laugh of him, I couldn't, I couldn't work for him. I don't think it then would have benefited us as much. Mm. Interesting. So what, what have been, like, if we think over the last, like, two years, where you've really been, obviously, pushing the business forward, what have been some of the, the different challenges that you've found yourself maybe speaking to Dave about or having to work through? I'd, I'd say team members is, is one thing. If it's something that someone's done something or if I think, right, oh, do we want to be keeping you or not? Performance of certain people, like stuff like that. Um, that's the stuff where it comes so in handy because say if you've got someone, they're really not performing well, you've got to first of all think, hey, why are they not performing well? What can I do to just make them perform a lot better? And you know, the numbers go up and everything like that. So that's stuff I speak to them about there. Or it's stuff like making decisions. There's some people that you really want to keep around, but you really shouldn't be keeping around. Um, I think everyone, yeah, everyone's got people like that. Um, and talking, talking through that, that's, yeah, that's been a big... Big I've got to be careful what I say about this because I'm something <laughs> like that. But yeah, it's um But like it's the the people element, like running a business yeah. and the people element, making difficult decisions. Yeah, it's clients as well, actually. Um he, he introduces quite a lot of clients, which is always great as well. So he, if anything, he makes the money back that <laughs> we spend with him. It's great. It's, it's a it's a no-brainer. But there's sometimes there's clients that you think, no, I really want to work with, I really want to work through it. Okay, they're a bit worse fees, they've been a bit of trouble, they've been a bit of a nightmare. And he's like, Why are you wasting your time? And there's a few times that that's happened, I think, okay, yeah, we end up dropping some certain clients over it, which has then helped us so much in the long run. But mm. I wouldn't have dropped them because they're a big name client. And it's, oh, but it sounds good when I say we work with, mm. we can say it. But yeah, there's been a few difficult decisions <laughs> like that. It's, it's sentimental as well, isn't it? You might like liked it when you were younger or you've known mm. about them since you were, you were little and then you work with them now and it's like a bit of an ego thing. Oh, we work with. Mm. Do you think people underestimate how difficult it could be running their own recruitment business? Yes, yes and no. Depends what you want to do with it, right? It, you know, some people set up an agency and they just want to do it themselves from their, their house and just them and everything like that. And I guess that might not be as such, but if you want to scale it past a certain point, then there's a lot of challenges. Like people, you don't think about how much challenges you know, having a team around you really can, can be. But there's a lot of every single person's got their own challenges and stuff like that. And as a the leader, you have to take them on and help them with that mm. personally and at work. So yeah, there's a lot of challenges that people don't think of and underestimate massively, but it's not something that I'd say it'd put, it should put anyone off. It shouldn't put anyone off wanting to set up because learning and having those challenges come up all the time develops yourself. You learn how to handle them. You learn how to handle them quickly as well. So the next time it comes up, it's stuff that you can just deal mm. with really quickly and move on with. And then how, how has it evolved in terms of you thinking, like started with obviously being in your dining table, Excel spreadsheets, all that, to like now you're working with a, a coach, business coach, whatever you want to call Dave, you've got nine people in the business, that's nine people's lives that you're supporting with the business that you're, you're building. Like how has, in terms of how you're thinking about the future of the business evolved, like has that become more and more clear or have you, have you struggled with like, oh, let's just worry about this year? I don't know, how have you found that? I'm always planning the next thing. Okay. Uh, I'm always, we're always looking at sort of five years, something I do a lot with Dave. But then we, we fill that in with the team as well, which I think really motivates them because they see the more senior positions opening up and, okay, there could be a, a head of Reading, an area director or, or in this role coming up and, okay, well, how do I get you there? Mm. And we sit with them and say, okay, well, if you wanted to get to this position, you know, you need to be doing this, this and this, which really helps motivate them. So we're always looking into the future um, for that reason. So is, it, is this a business that you do want to... 
yeah, scale yeah. and grow. Um, we've, we've got an idea of where we want to go. Manchester's definitely the next next yeah. thing. Manchester's so much nicer as well. I was walking around today, not one person smiled. Everyone's so oh, miserable. Oh, yeah, I know. Oh, like, yeah, I know so what you miserable. mean. In Manchester, everyone's like chatting to you. They're like, yeah. oh, this is really nice. But um, <laughs> in London, you don't get that. Redden, you don't get it either. But it's, um, yeah, definitely. We, I, I never want to have an office with 100 people in, in one office. I, I don't like... I wouldn't want. I wouldn't want to work in that environment, so I wouldn't want to mm. put my team through it as well. But yeah, twenty, thirty people is what we think per office. But having multiple offices focusing on local markets. Because mm. like, I don't know about you, but like sometimes when in the early stages, all you can see directly in front of you are just like the challenges that you yeah, see. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it can be quite hard sometimes to take a step back and get out the weeds. Mm. So like, has has that? Do you think that's massively helped you just have more clarity on decision making and? making the right decisions if you know like right okay the sort of three to five year goal here is going to be 20 30 people in Reading, 20 30 people in manchester because i'm assuming you didn't always have no that that wasn't that i think that came from working with dave right? yeah of him saying well what's the bigger picture because i'd only used to plan like what's the next three months looking that's like? what what's i mean the next yeah. four months looking like? and having that song that actually makes you take a step back is, is massive i never used to do it i never used to do it. And then as soon as i've done it the results the billings motivation in the office, morale, everything has just gone up and up and up. Um, and then everyone's really bought into this bigger picture that even in the first interviews, we'll go through what a five-year plan looks like. Mm. We'll just go through it with them. And then that, at that point, everyone's like, okay, right, I want to be involved in this. It's crazy. Yeah, like a lot of people can fall into trap thinking, oh, I, I need to worry about that when we're bigger or yeah. at this stage. But it, it has such an impact even on like, yeah, when you're hiring people and mm. saying this is what you could be part of. How, like, as we come to the end here then, how has Harry got better at managing, like, all of this seems like you've, yeah, been willing to invest in yourself, get help. You've obviously been willing to learn as much as you can, yeah. improve along the way with people management, whatever. How have you got better at managing, like, yeah, all of this going on in your personal life to make sure you're not, yeah, 30 kg yeah. heavy? Like, how, how have you found that? It's a struggle. It's a struggle all the time. Uh, it's not it's not like a magic answer, but 75 hard, we spoke yeah. about before. Uh, yeah. That's always been an interesting one. Getting up earlier, going to bed later, that kind of that kind of stuff. Um, but learning to switch off as well um, for my personal stuff. So it gets past Friday at certain times. I don't have my emails coming through my personal phone. I only got my work phone with me today. Um, I started leaving it behind places. So you've got two different phones? Yeah. We didn't at the start. We did a lot of stuff with Red and Uni, like the students with temp stuff. Like you get calls at 3 a.m. from like people putting in sickies and stuff like that. I like people like if you had like social media's links to your phone number, and like everyone would like add in your Snapchat and Instagram and stuff like that back in like 2019. <laughs> and I was like, well, I can't be doing this. So this isn't good. So yeah, we, we switched that. So having that actual separation where, okay, right, well, I'm going to go away or whatever and leave my phone. Um, I have my emails on my phone, obviously, but the notifications don't come through. Mm. It's the managing the work-life balance is, is the thing. And that's what everyone speaks about right now, isn't it? About mm. does everyone actually have one? So past a certain time, I won't do it. I won't check my work phone past 8 o'clock. It's those rules that I've built into my life that then I've managed to be that I can actually enjoy both both sides of it. Mm. So that, that they've been some of the habits that you've worked on yeah. building? Massively. It's stuff like when I'm on a holiday, so I try not to check my emails. I do mm. it all the time, but... I do it like once. I let myself like check in the morning and I'll look and then the next day. How, how have you found like stepping away from the business knowing you've got your office full of young people there yeah. cracking on without mm -hmm. you there? I don't know. How, how have you found that? Uh, 
it's at the start it was challenging. Now I've got a lot of trust in my team. There's so much trust there, and I know there's certain people that if people were slacking, they'd be like, "What are you doing? Like, come on, let's let's get on with this." So I've a lot of trust there. But if I go away, I get those random FaceTime calls, not about work or anything like that. When I was in Greece, I was like, me and my mate were just like, we were probably just relaxing, you know, drink from like nine a.m. and stuff like that. And I'd get a call with them, just being like, "Oh, we had this sick thing happen." I'll be sat there just like absolutely smashed. But um, <laughs> it, was, it was quite an interesting time. The amount of screenshots that I got taken whilst I was away as well from like they FaceTime me, and I'm like. Just yeah, but um, I, I, I trust them a lot. There's, there's a lot of trust that I give them. Like, um, got quite a lot of autonomy around, even their like day-to-day stuff. We don't have um, start time and finish times, so they have their core hours. So if someone gets at nine thirty, and they normally leave at six, and everyone just makes up these these hours and stuff. That's where we put a lot of trust in them. It's a lot that's given back to us. So then I'm never like worrying like, oh, what's happening? I wonder. Okay, is someone booking an interviews? Because at the end of the day, if they're not booking an interviews, they're not making commission. Mm. so I've learned that part I used to be like calling like four or five times a day but now I'm there like I trust these people that my business is in safe hands because at the end of the day they want it to be part of their business as well they want to be growing with it as well and, and everything like that and like shares and stuff like that so I trust them to do it so it, it's been a hard challenge to do that but again I think that anchors back down to like the things you've been doing with Dave around like what the future looks like what they're yeah. part of because if you do the work on that and you do a good job of communicating it, then they're the sorts of things that these people should be thinking about and leaning into as to like why they want to, why yeah. they need to do what they need to I'm do. Actually, I, I get drunk texts off Jack all the time in particular, saying like "HM till I die" and stuff like that. And it <laughs> cracks me up, and I'm like, I'm like, all oh, right, and I like wake up, but like I'm not drinking. Well, it's fair, he's not drinking at the moment either. But like, yeah, we'd go on nights out, and I'd hear him like shouting it from the other side of the bar and stuff like that. And it's like, I can't not like if I'm away, I'm there. Like, there's mm. so much trust there and stuff. Like, obviously, he's not being serious, but he might be. I don't know. But has, has that become one of the best parts then? Like yeah, the, the people culture, on the journey. The people in the culture we've built. Um, it's like it's, it's written on our walls, culture comes first. The new people that have started in the academy, they've really bought into it as well. And they've settled in so quickly. Like I walked in the other day and uh, one of them was like, oh, you're right, and said a rude word about me. And I'm like, hang about. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you can't talk like... And it's just, yeah, it's, it's funny, but uh, the school I went to was a Quaker school, which is like a really weird thing, but everyone's equal. So like, you don't get you know, like hierarchy and stuff like that. And we've kind of put that into the business. So everyone kind of feels it on the same the same level. Mm. There's certain times, obviously, they know it's not and everything, but the culture is so good at the moment and, and everything like that, which is why we're so so fast about who we bring in and, and that's what's led to the trust and me to be able to step away and you know, go on a night out or take a day off and go up to see my mates in Manchester. I hope I'm not have to actually worry about mm. what's what's happening now. So to wrap up then, I guess what would be good just to hear your, your thoughts on would be, like, yeah, if I'm, I'm listening to this, I'm 20 years old, yeah, found myself uh, having some recruitment experience and I'm like, you know what, I, I really fancy this entrepreneurial journey. don't want to work for someone else anymore. What advice would you give them or what, what would you say to them? Because that, that was you. First thing I'd say is like, what have you got to lose? Because I remember someone said that to me. Don't ask me who because I have no idea. I should remember that. But then I was like, what have you got to lose? Let's say, let's say you do it for six months and it doesn't work out. What are people going to think? Oh, they're going to think he's failed. No, they're going to think it's a 20-year-old 20 trying his luck. Fair play, a lot of respect. I would never look at someone's journey if they failed to have business and like laugh about it. You'd think fair play, like there's a lot of respect there, there's a lot of guts there, a lot of courage and, and everything like that. Like if you didn't try it, would you regret it as well? So if you end up saying, no, you know, I'm going to work, go work for another agency in six months time or a year or two years, you'll say you're a top biller. Well, that could have been for your business. Hmm. So I always think about that and just, just go for it. You've got nothing to lose. Well, there's actually areas when you actually look at it in a bit more detail, right? But there's nothing to lose as in what other people think because it doesn't matter what they think because what happens if it goes really well? Mm. Yeah, I think, look, fair play to you because I think clearly you've been on the, 
your own, obviously the business is growing, but then you've also clearly been on your own personal yeah. journey as well. Starting from obviously dining and table to then like clearly building a culture that you're proud of, having people on the journey, working with people like Dave to help you understand, right, okay, yeah, how can I think about this business in three, five years time rather mm. than just three months ahead? Like clearly being willing to, like you said, have guts, do things differently. And yeah, I think just nothing but respect really and kudos to that. So oh, thanks, thanks a lot for coming on the pub, mate. Well done on making it to the very end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Done my very best to try and level up this podcast that will hopefully mean that you can take even more learnings from these conversations and apply it to your own recruitment career. Like always, if there are any particular topics that you would love me to cover with future guests, then please get in touch with me. The best place to reach me is on LinkedIn. Send me a message. What would you love me to cover with future guests? If you have enjoyed the podcast, then it would be amazing if you could leave a honest review in your favorite podcast streaming platform. That will simply mean that we're able to reach more people with this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to subscribe completely free on your favorite podcast streaming platforms and we'll be back next week with a new episode of the recruitment mentors podcast